There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. But just building the relationships with the sellers prior to this, before you even go into the due diligence. And so the seller did ask me, he was like, where did you come from? Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Like, I like anybody <laughs> prior to, you know, submitting LOIs or anything, and you just came in here, you're just sweet talk me, and now you got me to agree to all of this stuff. I was like, I want to make sure I'm taking care of my people. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hey guys, so we're back again. This is the second part of the episode with today's guest. I need you, if you have not heard part one, go back to the previous episode and listen to that first and then come back and join us here today. You need to hear the whole conversation. This is why we split into two parts. There's so many nuggets. It's so juicy. Go back and listen to the first part. Just chatting for a long time because we got so much gems and things to unearth here. Um, but if somebody is looking to buy a building like they're looking at a, a five unit or a 10 or whatever they're they're looking to do and they're doing a walkthrough um maybe they're newer in the game maybe they have some smaller maybe they've bought their own single family house the one that they live in kind of thing when they're looking around and looking at the everyone can see the inside of like an apartment and see what they like or don't like. You can tell kind of conditions and stuff that might need to be refixed or whatever, but it's just the big system items that are like behind the walls and in the basement and in the ground and those kind of things that a lot of people don't know how to analyze the, the state or the quality of that and mm -hmm. what the lifespan is, like, should it be replaced soon? And kind of, I think that's a big ticket item that could catch a lot of people off guard. So when you're walking units and you're looking at these big system items, are there any red flags? Like I know I've heard 
like if there's a certain electrical panel name, you know that's from this decade and those are notoriously bad. Or if your pipes are made out of a certain material, that's gonna probably gonna end up being an issue. So have the pipes scoped and all this stuff. So what what are some of those red flag type of major systems that you should, if you see that name or see that that type that you should watch out for? So um, for the for, for first thing, I'm always like, anytime I go to an asset, um, I'm getting on top of the roof, right? People are like, you're getting on top of the roof. Yeah, I'm getting on top of the roof. <laughs> Walk the roof, right? So I'm, I'm bringing a roofer with me. So we're walking this asset. So we're looking for um, things that, because we have a lot of hail damage. Well, we have a lot of hail here. So we have a lot of hail damage to mm -hmm. roof stuff. And so on some of those units that we were walking, because the way that the, how the units sit, they're like separated. So we walked one like big long thing of the units. There was no hell damage. We got on the other one and hell damage. I mean, the hell tore up the wow. roof. That's one of the things that we look for. Um, I always bring a plumber. I always bring all of the major, um, the major players out. So your plumbers, your roofers, your HVAC guys, and your electrician. I always walk with them because the other stuff we we can do is cos almost cosmetic stuff, but. Mm -hmm. Ticket items, I always bring those guys with me. The ones that are master electrician, master plumbers, I bring those guys with me because I want to make sure that I'm giving them the quote, the people that have hired me to do the project management, I'm giving them a quote that's reasonable and a quote that's true to what they really need. So we have a plumber come out there and they'll run, they'll run a scope, right? So a lot of people be like, how do you get plumbers? I built relationships with these guys, right? And I'd be like, hey, this is going to be a deal that we're probably going to take down. So I need you to meet me at 123 Main Street. So we're running scope just to see if there's anything. And in that 22 unit, we ran um, the scope in for the uh, drains. And so there were a lot of things that we found, like some of the pipes were broken, right? Mm. So they wouldn't have known this. They, I mean, they would have found it on their due diligence, but why go into the due diligence period and there's there's pipe to be broke. So you can have that conversation prior to going into due diligence. So the guy that was buying it, he was like, see, this is why I hired you. Because we would have never thought to do this. Like we would have done this on our due diligence. We would have never did this prior, right? But we also had to get approval from the seller to do it. Because, you know, sometimes the seller would be like, no, you can do that on due diligence. I don't want you doing that. Just submit the LOI. And then after you do that, then, you know, you can get that. But we had to, I wanted to, I wanted them to agree because, if we could find these problems prior to enter into a contract with them, we can, it gave us negotiation power, right? And so we scoped it, we found some cracks. So we had a conversation with them. Um, of course, the electrical panel needed to be updated. So that was a no brainer. The electrician, he looked at a couple of them and they had already told us that there were previous fires. So we kind of knew that there probably was electrical problems. So it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't anything that was uh, shocking or surprising to us. And then the HVAC, um, it wasn't much for the HVAC because they had already replaced the HVAC like three years ago. So it wasn't much other than cleaning the ducts and, you know, going in and doing just like regular maintenance and stuff on it. But just building the relationships with the sellers prior to this, before you even go into the due diligence. And so the seller did ask me, he was like, where did you come from? Like, I was like, <laughs> anybody prior to you know submitting lois or anything and you just came in here you're just sweet talk me and now you got me to agree into all of this stuff i was like i want to make sure i'm taking care of my people and he was like you're slick I was like, oh my gosh. 
but he was so sweet. He was a 78 year old. He's a 78 year old man, but he's really, really nice. And he was like, I've never had anybody sweet talk me into letting somebody do this on my property prior to due diligence. Now you're going to be negotiating price down and everything. I said, but there's some cracks out there. So, I mean, would you want somebody doing this to you? And he was like, yeah, I agree. But you know, I'm old. I didn't know it was going to be cracks out there. I said, I know you did. This is why, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. <laughs> so and you know what? <laughs> oh no, go ahead. Finish. No. So that, that's why I was going to say, those are some of the major things, everything else we can work with. Right. So, okay. um, but yeah, those are the things that I really and truly look for. Okay. So no, and that, that makes perfect sense. And so I have never heard of that either. Most of the time people will go through, put their LOI, make assumptions, like they'll do a walkthrough, like before an LOI, but normally you're not scoping lines at that point. Like you might, you know, look visually to see what you can see. Maybe if you look at the electrical panel and it's a certain like brand name or something, and I don't even remember what that one is, but I think I have it written down somewhere. I'll put that in the show notes, but a certain brand name that you know that that is like known notoriously in the past for using like the wrong kind of wiring or just was before the updated code so if you see that which is something you can see with your eye then you know like if you're knowledgeable enough that that is probably electrical might need to might be a problem so you can factor mm-hmm. that into your budget but things like scope and lines you you wouldn't know that until you're in the due diligence phase the problem is with that if you're waiting until that point to do it, well, so one, you might get resistance from some sellers who don't want you to do that upfront. And especially if it's a hot market, like it was the last couple of years, then you're going to lose out on a lot of bids if you're trying to do that before the due diligence period. But the problem is if you do it after during due diligence and you find these issues, now you got to go back and retrade and retrading is frowned upon, right? And retrading means that you're going back and you you offered $100,000 and you got to go back and say, all right, now I can give you 60 because we found XYZ problems. But it's kind of like an expectation for you to know or budget for XYZ problems in your offer. But how can you budget for some unknown things like that in your offer? Like you just have to be super conservative. And if you're super conservative, you could also lose out on deals when it's a hot market. So it's all a balancing act. You is better safe than sorry. So be conservative with your numbers, um, but kind of be realistic. If you can, if you can, I think it's super impressive that you just organized a group of four or five people to be able to go to a building on the same day and time to do a walkthrough. Because I know, or trying to get a, three or more people, even two people, just to even do a Zoom call. It's like everybody got 50 million things to do. And you can't coordinate no time. And so now you're getting all these contractors to come out at the same time to do a walkthrough in a building but like you said it's relationships and it's building that up um how do you do that if like it's your first one like let's say you didn't haven't bought a building yet and you maybe you have you know the importance of building your team so you've been having calls with people and starting to try to build relationships but you're not proven yet right so how can you still convince the appropriate people to come out to do a walkthrough because then they could do a walkthrough and not an offer on the building and not get it but are they gonna walk through with you on every building because you could be walking through a lot before you finally get an offer submitted where you actually get that project you know what I mean how do you yes. mitigate that? so so I think for me um I I I, I love building relationship right so mm-hmm have, I have honest conversations. These are the hard conversations that we have with contractors or trades. And I let them know that, hey, there are going to be opportunities that are going to come on and we, we may not get all of them, 
But when I need you to walk a building, I want you to be available for me to, for us to walk the building, right? So I'll pay for gas, I'll pay for lunch. Um, and of course, if we get the deal, you will actually get the job. But I need to be able to rely on you because now I'm building up the pipeline for these deals to come through. And once these deals start coming through, we're gonna be really, really busy. So just conveying to them that, hey, every deal we may not get, but if I can rely on you to show up, I'm gonna pay for gas, I'm gonna pay for food, I'm even gonna pay for you actually walking this with me. And so they'll be like, okay, Ariel, I mean, we, we know that you know, you're doing real estate deals and we see you out here. But again, this is the importance of people being able to see that you're doing something. So it may not be on this asset, but it may be on another asset. As long as they know that you can close a deal. If a deal comes and the numbers make sense, as long as they know that you can close. And I think that's why my guys have been so faithful to me because we walked a couple of deals that we didn't close anything. And then we started getting deals in and they were like, you kept your word. We walked all of those before, but you kept your word. As soon as we walked this one and they say, hey, we're going to close on it. You kept your word. Hey, you're hired for this. And so I think just building a relationship, checking in on them, even if you don't have anything, I check in on my guys and say, hey, let's meet for lunch. Let's catch up to see what's going on. So I'm always reaching out. I, we call them so I'm always reaching out and touching them. Hey, what's going on with the family? What, what do you got going on new? You want to walk this project with me? I'm going down here and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. So just staying engaged with the team just to let them know I'm still thinking about you. We don't have anything right now, but I'm still thinking about you. And I want you to know that as soon as I get something, you're going to be the first person I call. So it's just building, building those relationships. Looking to build wealth with real estate? Are you all tapped out on YouTube University and ready to get help tailored to your specific situation and goals? Have you always known that you are a little different from the crowd, that you never liked following the status quo, and that you're just tired of living in mediocrity? You want to build wealth on your own terms outside of Wall Street? Well, you know, then maybe the Microfamily Mavericks mentorship program can help with that. It's a community where I handhold you through the process of buying your first small commercial multifamily building because not everyone is ready for 100 units out the gate. Why multifamily? Because it gives your rental income a hedge against vacancy. Imagine what happens when your single family rental tenant leaves, right? And why commercial five plus units? Because you have much more control over increasing the building's value in the commercial space and then in turn increasing your own net worth. Starting small is a stepping stone to so much more because then you can tap that equity and buy another building and another and another and you get the point. So increasing your cash flow and your ability to be job optional along the way. It's all a part of the journey. So. If you think big, but you wanna start small, and if you know multifamily real estate is the way for you to open the door to building a life of freedom, abundance, and legacy, but you just need someone to guide you step-by-step, step, and you wanna be surrounded by other people on the same journey, doing the same thing, then just click the link in the show notes to find out a little bit more about the Microfamily Mavericks, and I look forward to potentially seeing you on the inside. So now back to the show. So do you have backups? Let's say like you have a plumber, we need a one or two backups. How many backups do you have for each trade? Three. So you build relationships with all of them? Yes. What if the third tier, like he's he's on the bench, the third, third in line on the bench, but he's never getting the deal. Like, do you rotate them just so they all feel like they're getting some love or do you stay with your top guy? 
So I'm always rotating them. And then when people come on and they want to JV with me, I'm using them on other teams too, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm always, they're always doing something. They're always busy. So now they know that, hey, Ariel's going to rotate us. So I may not be working on Ariel, but I might be on Keith's job. And if I'm not, I may be on Amy's job. So I have relationships where the teams or the people that I work with, everybody always has something going on. So if I'm not doing something, I can give Raphael to Keith, right? And so yeah. if and then Keith not doing something, I can give Raphael to Amy. So we have so much stuff that's going on that they're always busy. So anytime that I call, any one of them will pick up the phone. Hey, what do you have for me, right? So even yeah. The job and I'll be like, hey Raphael, are oh, you on a job? Because I call Raphael a lot. Hey Raphael, you on a job? And he was like, Yeah, I'm on a job, Aria. I'm on a job, but I can send my son Victor, and he'll send his son Victor. Victor's on his way. I was like, okay. But this <laughs> rapport with them, they now want to actually have their kids come in and, and Victor will come and meet me at a job. Like I want to say Thursday or Friday, I was walking a um a deal in Dallas. And so I call Raphael and I say, Hey Raphael, I know that. I know y'all are working in, because we have a, a flip in Harker Heights. I know you're working in Harker Heights, but I got a deal in Dallas. Do you think that you can meet me? He's like, no, but I'm going to send Victor. Victor called me. Hey, I'll meet you at the house at nine o'clock. So anytime that I call any of my guys, they're always there. But it's because I'm always looking for work for them. So if it's not my project, it may be Keith or Amy. Um, it may be uh, Quincy's. I mean, it could be anybody's job, people that I've worked with then I'll allow them to go and work on their sites. But if it's not people I hadn't worked with, I don't usually let my guys go because I don't know if they're going to take care of them like I take care of them. Yeah, okay. So I think, so that was the one comment I was going to make that that's very like just growth and abundance mindset that you're sharing your guys with other people's teams. But I do understand you still wanting to protect them and making sure you're only referring or sending them to people that you know are going to treat them the way you would treat them. So that you don't ruin that relationship. Like, because you referred them like, why would Ariel refer me to this crackhead over here? Like, who's not, um, you know, not paying and doing all stuff. You know what? Last thing, oh my gosh, I just got in a whole other brain thing contracts with contractors mm-hmm. like how what kind of because I have had my share of dealing with contractors who say promise the world and then don't deliver right um but how do you set up either some kind of an agreement for a payment schedule um like punch list or and a punch list is the finalized list of all the products, like of all the things that are supposed to be done and you walk through and make sure that everything is done. So they call that a punch list, but how do you make sure that when the con like value, like uh, incentives are aligned when it comes to getting a project done on time and on budget, like what do you put in your contracts to kind of stipulate, like encourage the contractors to still finish on time and finish on budget? Yes. So my contractors get dinged for stuff that um, they're not supposed to be doing, or if they're late, um, if something is out of their control, then we have a, we have a talk, we have a talk about it. Right. So say for instance, my contract called me, Raphael called me and said, Hey, Ariel, I'm running late this morning. Won't be at site until 10 o'clock. Okay. Raphael. So the, the first time it'll slide, right? If this is a constant thing, they stop, get, they start getting to, they start getting dinged for being late. Right. Um, if I have a infraction on my site, if there is an inspection that happens and I fail, then they get deemed, right? So 
It could be $500, it could be $1,000 that they get um, deemed for. But if I fail an inspection, because that inspection now keeps me from moving forward and getting this project to the finish line, they get deemed for that. But now if Raphael and them gets me all passed, they get me all green tags, and I'm still on the move, and I'm still getting the project moved the way that it's supposed to be moved, then they get awarded for that, right? So it is a give and take with them. So you have to let contractors know this is still my site, right? And you're still going to do what you're supposed to be doing. You got hired to do a job. And so inside of my contract that my attorney um, writes up, they get dinged for things. They get rewarded for other things that they, they may do. So it's, it's good to have contracts in place and it's good to have conversations with them to let them know up front, hey, this is what I expect of you. This is what's going to happen if you don't comply. And this is what happens if um, you do what you're supposed to do. So um, I also have contractors say Raphael is the lead on this. If Raphael falls off, then Victor comes on, which is his son, right? Victor owns his own company also. So both of them own, they own, they own separate companies, but they work together sometimes. So if Raphael falls off, Victor comes on. And if Victor falls off, then I may have a Keith's team come on. So it just depends on what we have going on in the flow of everything. But it doesn't matter what happens to my contractors. I always have another set of contractors that can pick up. So there's no delays. There's no work stoppages. And so a lot of times when people have uh, mishaps at a site, they'd be like, oh, I got a work stoppage or uh, my contractors walked, walked off and I don't have anybody. Now you have to go out there and look for other contractors. This is why it's so important to have at least two or three contractors in the pipeline because if one falls off, you can actually still pick up with another one. And I don't pay them until the work is done. So my PM walks it on Friday there. I expect pictures, I expect videos. And so whatever phase we're in, if that phase is not completed on that Friday, they don't get paid. So you mm. by the work you complete, you don't get paid by starting a project. You get paid by, <laughs> by the work you complete. So yes, this, every project has a different phase. And then that phase is supposed to be done in a certain time frame. And now you can pay based on that phase. And now it goes to the next. So how many phases do a project normally have? So it just depends on the size of the house. So if I have a house okay. is say eighteen hundred square feet, then each phase could take about two and a half, three weeks. Okay, okay, great. Um, so that if, that makes sense because I've heard a lot about paying contractors like a third up front, a third when a certain amount of like predetermined um, items are done, and then the final third once you finalize the the last punch list walkthrough. So you're shaking your head no. So you don't no, do thirds so yeah it's a smaller but you do a smaller breakdown than thirds so what i do is that they have to be able to float the project so to get the project started you have to be able to use your own money your own materials to get the stuff and then i'll you right mm -hmm. so when we first take on a deal if i call Raphael, i say hey Raphael, y'all can start a demo he'd be like okay um can you get the dumpster the only thing that i will order for them is the dumpster right mm -hmm. so the dumpster but the demo, um, tearing out stuff and then replacing everything to get started, like with the framing and all of that, they're responsible for that. So I only work with contractors that can float projects. So if you can't float a project for two or three weeks, I don't want to work with you because that means that there's something financially that I need to be careful about. And so I'm not giving you any money up front because you could take my money to a different project. So if you can float a project for three weeks, then that's, you're somebody that I want to work with. But if you can't float a project for three weeks, I'm not interested. Ooh, that's a major vetting gem right there. You got to float your own project. Like you just got to have the finances. Like I have gone, 
I have hired a contractor who didn't have a car and, you know, talks the best game and how good he is and all this stuff, a great talker. And I'd have, I'd go drive 30 minutes out the way to pick him up, take him to the house. Then he can eat, he either, either gets a friend to pick him up or I have to go drive him back. And I'm, after doing that a couple of times, I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm not doing this no more. Like you got to have your own transportation. I'm not driving you all around. Like, this is crazy. And then he ended up, you know, gifting me and not even finishing up a job. Like, and I don't yeah. even think like, I, I didn't give him the final amount, but I gave him enough up like, in between to that he could just not finish what he was supposed to okay that's yeah. my worries and woes okay tell us about because all the information you shared so far and all the, just the the mindset and the tips and the and the type of contractor to look for what should be in your contract all that stuff that's super valuable just in this one conversation but I know you you mentioned your coaching program. So what does that look like? Because I feel like that's super valuable for people who are at least want to learn the contracting and project management side of things so that when they start buying multifamilies or whatever else that they, whatever real estate they're looking for, they can have that as a framework to use for value-add projects. So what, what's your coaching look like? So um, so we have, I have different tiers of coaching um, programs. And so, you know, the, the one, if, if you don't know anything about real estate, so you're just getting started, you're a newbie and you want to learn because some of the, the lingo that I use sometimes and people are like, what, what, does, what does that mean? Like, what, what is GC? It's general contractor, right? So if yeah. you're interested in learning just about real estate to see if this is something that you'll be interested in, we have that tier. And then we have it here where um, we're taking you through a flip. So from start to finish, I have my business attorney that comes on. She told, she shows you how to do the structuring of your entity. I have a CPA that comes on that tells you all of the tax advantages that you have, the things of how your books and stuff, your bookkeeping should look. I have my trademark attorney that comes on. And the reason that I added my trademark attorney was because people will see you start making money and then they will start to try to take your likeness and use it and it creates confusion in the marketplace. So I had to send a season to assist to someone that was trying to use my likeness. Right? So I have my trademark attorney, she's coming in and she's teaching you about the asset protection part of it and the branding part of it um, as you start to build and you start to get momentum in the marketplace. And then we'll go through the flip. So I introduce you to the title companies that I use. Um, most of them are nationwide. So it doesn't matter if you're flipping in Chicago, you can use Chicago title. If you're flipping in uh, St. Louis, you still can use Chicago title because Chicago title is nationwide. And so I try to work with companies that are nationwide. So if I'm teaching someone in another state, they wouldn't have the confusion because now they speak the same language at the title company. Mm -hmm. In the attorney office, they have uh, partnerships that are nationwide. So if you work with us, we have my attorney that reaches out to other attorneys and say, hey, I have an individual that is in Avriel's coaching program. We need you to take care of them for all of their closings or whatever. So we have that relationship. And then I teach you from A to Z about the flipping, building relationships with contractors, the, um, how to vet contractors, how to vet your project manager, how to um, question them, the insurance that you need to look for. So we go through all of that. And then have a project management course where it teaches you all about the management of the asset. So you may not want to fix and flip. You may just want to do project management. You're like, Avery, I don't want to do fix and flip. 
I just want to do project man. I want to manage people's projects. Are you enjoying this episode? Then stop what you're doing right now. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It really helps our show get pushed to more people who are looking for the information that we're sharing here. We have to share the wealth. If you listen to us on YouTube, make sure you like the episode that you're listening to right now and subscribe to our channel. Then share the channel with somebody else. There are people out there looking for the information you're listening to right now. So make sure you share it with someone who you know needs it. Now back to the show. So then I have a project management course. And so um, I'm creating also um, what I call my VIP days where there are VIP days with Ariel. So you get to spend day, you get to spend a day or a weekend or a week with me, depending on which package you select. And we go through everything. If you want me to build out your course, I bring my team, I bring my capital. We go looking for deals. Um, we build out everything for you. So depending on what you want, we are trying to service you at a level of excellence. Because when I came in, I wanted to see more women, right? I have nothing against all, but I want to see more women in the field. And so my mission is to go out and create a whole bunch of Abriels in the world so we can <laughs> dominate when it comes to the project management and the fix and flip. So when they see... When they see a Nicole, they be like, oh yeah, that's a that's that's part of Ariel's team right there. Yeah, yeah. In the field. So those are things that um I have coming down the pipeline. Still working on um packaging all of my one-on-ones um up, which are my larger packages where my what I call my VIP days, but the other um we have access to those uh now. And so those are the coaching packages. Nice. So you'll definitely have to send me information about if people are interested, like how do they find out more information? If there's like a website they should go to or a call they should schedule. So whatever that is, we will have that in the show notes as well. Um, But oh my gosh, this has been, oh my God, I feel like there's no way. and, And guys, even if no matter what aspect of real estate that you are looking to do if you want to do fix and flips if you want to do buy and hold but if you're looking at any kind of value add type of proposition which can be a flip or hold because when you're holding real estate you can just you can do all the rehab that's necessary and then you can refinance because now you push the value up and now you can pull your equity back out and use that to go buy another one so that's another strategy in how to grow your portfolio so you can you know take it either way you can flip single family, you can flip multifamilies, like you can keep them. So you just got to figure out what works for you, but the rehab and knowing the systems and knowing, even if you like just doing unit turns, like what needs to be fixed in the unit when you're repositioning it between tenants, like all of that is very crucial across the board, no matter what your strategy is. So I think um, this information and her coaching program would be just useful for anybody look, looking to get into real estate and to, to have more of a, a uh, a foothold and stronghold into the construction or project management side of, of real estate and using that as value creation. So I love it. Um, so right now we're actually going to transition to the final segment. So my, my people know that I always say, this is the final segment that I talk about with every guest. And I always want a name for the segment. And I never have a name for it. I'm just like, oh, what's, what am I going to call this thing? And I ask for suggestions. And so someone, a good friend, and my soror and line sister, Thea Stewart. Thea, I'm giving you your shout out. Hey, um, Thea gave me a couple of names and ideas. And I like digest with the guest. 
because our guests are always dropping so many nuggets and so many morsels that you need to like just chew on it and really savor it, savor the information. So I love that. So welcome to Digest with the Guests for the first time. Now, <laughs> um, first question. Mm -hmm. Warren Buffett said that diversification is protection against ignorance. What do you take that to mean? And is that a good thing or not? So I think the diversification is um, very good. So when I retired, I wanted to make sure that I diversified my portfolio. So I started with a little bit of stocks as I was fixing and flipping and so I love Warren Buffett because I, I listen to some of the, you know, the things when he does interviews and stuff and just listening to how he diversified his portfolio. So I do think that diversification is important. Um, I'm always trying to find something to diversify my portfolio, but I want to make sure that they all make sense and they all can co-mingle together. Mm -hmm. So I want to go out here and do real estate and sell hair and sell candles. And I just want to make sure that if I'm diversifying my portfolio, that everything almost co-mingles together. So if I'm doing project management, I can do fix and flip or I can do Airbnb. So everything that I'm doing that's diversified inside of my portfolio is centered around real estate. So the coaching, the project management, the contracting. So yes, I, I definitely agree with that. Oh, I love that too. Cause it's like basically making sure things are vertically integrated. So Absolutely. if you wanted to open a tie, your own title company, you could do that. You know, that would yes. just go with the, it's diversified, but it go, it fits with everything else. I love that. Yes. Um, have you played Monopoly before? I have. Okay. Um, in the game of Monopoly, Boardwalk versus Baltic, what's your first purchase or your strategy to win the game? torn on that one <laughs> boardwalk though boardwalk okay why boardwalk and i think boardwalk remembering playing the game of monopoly the boardwalk i think for me it was a little more opportunity on the boardwalk for me it made me really, really think about the moves that I was going to make and the things that I was going to buy on the board, boardwalk. So I think that's why I want to stick with boardwalk. Okay. Sounds good. Um, what does wealth mean to you? Wealth means the freedom to be able to do what I need to do. So it's giving me time freedom. So wealth is not just the monetary side of it, but wealth is uh, time freedom. I get to spend more time with my mother. Um, I get to do the things that I enjoy to do. I enjoy doing. Um, I can take time off throughout the day just to go to the lake and just sit at the lake and sit with God, meditate, talk to him. So wealth is not just monetary for me, but wealth is time for me also. So that's what wealth means to me. And just being able to do what I want to do. Yeah, it's the freedom. I, I love that. That's exactly what wealth means to me too. It's just, I want to live life on my terms, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So another section, what I've been doing is I asked the previous guest a question for the next guest. So it's not ever going to be on, you know, any information that you have ahead of time, but in any case, so the previous guest 
Her name is Savannah. She asked, how do you use your community to build wealth? How do I use my community to build wealth? So um, I, do, I do a couple of things in my community. So in my community, uh, we have this program at the police station and it's called uh, Colleen Police Cadets. And so um, I go there, we do ride alongs um, with the uh, police officers. Um, I normally take food to the police officers. So we may, I may do lunch, I may do dinner, I may do just a, just thinking of you um, card to each one of the officers. I also go to the hospitals um, and I normally visit the wards that uh, kids that are fighting for cancer. And I go and I give their family a break while I sit there with their kids, just for them to go and maybe take a hot shower to grab a hot meal. Um, and for me, I think that's giving back. And a lot of people will be like, hey, you know, this wasn't monetary, but it was enough to make me feel like I'm, I'm grateful and I'm wealthy because you have given me the freedom to do what I needed to do while still not worrying about what's going on with my child. And even the police officers like, hey, just for somebody giving back to us. It just, it makes us feel like we're um, appreciated and welcome. So that's what I do in the community. I don't know if it's really wealth building in the community, but that's my support of showing um, how I care. And so I plan on doing more in the future as it relates to giving back. Um, yeah, that's what I do right now. No, but I still love that because it may not be wealth building in a traditional sense of like money wealth, but wealth is a variety of things for different people. And that's where the question, what does wealth mean to you? Because it's not always about the money. And for most people, it's not. It's about the support. So you, you giving wealth and appreciation and support and mindset and that kind of thing. So I love, I love that. All right. Second to last question. What is your question for the next guest? What, what would be my question to them? Um, because mine would probably be centered around What's, what's the best business practice that you can give to someone that may be just starting on their entrepreneur journey um, that wants to take that leap, but they're afraid? What advice would you give them? So what's the best advice? Mm -hmm. Would okay. you give someone that wants to take a leap of faith um, in the entrepreneur journey, but they just don't know how? Okay. I like it. That's a great, that's a great question. Yay, this has been so exciting. Thank you again. Um, no I know uh, the listeners um, and I are very grateful for the information that you shared with us today and for you even just coming on and spending time. We're super, super grateful. Uh, mm -hmm. There are so many gems and nuggets that we have to still digest after we finish listening. Make sure you take all your notes um, and you use this information and draw from that when you start applying it and looking for your, your next real estate purchase. Um, so how can people get in touch with you? And if they want to connect with you or follow you social media, like where, where should they go? So across all social media, it's going to be Avriel DuVernay. Um, so it's, it's my name spelled out on Facebook. Um, on Instagram is Avriel, the number four EV. On TikTok, it's the same, Avriel, the number four on V, uh, V-E. 
And then on LinkedIn, it's my name, Abrielle DuVernay. So that's where they can find me if they're looking for me. Yay. Okay. And we will have all the links to the social media in the show notes. Um, because if I close my eyes right now, I would not spell your name right. I have to look at the thing. But anyway, we will have all the links in the show notes. People, please go click the show notes and get to her socials and follow her and whatever else you need to do to get the information. Um, and just, I know she shares a ton of value on social media. So please, if this has been a great episode for you, you've learned a lot. You've gotten all of the gems and morsels, right? Do a subscribe. I wanted to say, I wanted to say smash the like button because my kids watch YouTube way too much, but this is on YouTube too. So smash that like button, right? And then also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to us in your platform, um, whatever your social media platform is. So thank you. That just helps us get this message and get what everybody else shared with us out to everybody. So, or to more people, right? Anyway, comment, like, subscribe, wherever you look, looking, listening, watching, wherever you, wherever that's happening, do that so we can grow and share the wealth with more people and we can all prosper together. And I'll see you at the next show. Thank you again for coming. Thank you. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Make the most of your holidays by celebrating Christmas at Biltmore. Enjoy a breathtaking tour of America's largest home, filled with shimmering Christmas trees and adorned in all its yuletide glory. Then, don't miss your last chance to experience our immersive digital art exhibit, Italian Renaissance Alive, during its final weeks. Visit now and enjoy a second day free. Learn more at Biltmore.com. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply.